Amen. Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, January 2nd. It's our first regular service of 2022. Wow. We are truly living on the precipice of exciting and exponential growth, not exponential growth. Our king has spoken to us about two years of internal expansion marked by internal growth in teams, in families, and elevated relationships to the leadership team here at LCM. He's also given us vision into a third year, a year of initiating outward growth and expansion. Can you guys say third year? Third year. This is what we're aiming at. Now, to put this in realistic terms, two years, we have 104 weeks to be ready. 104 cycles of our regular life starting today to prepare as a body for what is ahead of us. This is why we have adjusted your schedule starting this week to allow maximum time to practice the tools that our great king is equipping us with. As Ephesians 5, 16 put it, we must take and make the most of every opportunity because the days we live in are evil. Wow. Today is our first regular service of the year 2022. Doesn't it feel good to be congregated together today in 2022? So it's our first week also of this 104 weeks that we have set before us. And the title of today's message, just to get us going on the right track for these 104 weeks is, Draw Up the Battle Lines. So let's begin together in Psalm 23, a psalm of David, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. Say, draw up the battle lines as you're turning there. Draw up the battle line. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ooh, green pastures. That's interesting. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, on Friday, that was New Year's Eve for us. That was our last moment of meeting together before the new year. Come on. And we shared, among many things, Mark chapter 6 with you in a passage from that chapter. The body of the text had to do with the Almighty's unique ability to multiply what we have yeah. Far beyond all rational consideration or plausibility. Come on, say supernatural multiplication. Supernatural Supernatural multiplication. multiplication. This supernatural multiplication was to be a sign, a supernatural oath to us. And one that required us to give from our hands to the 5,000. Implementing what Jesus has already given, what he's already demonstrated to us. To facilitate this supernatural multiplication, Jesus arranged the people in groups in teams of men, and he sat them in green pastures, in verdant, healthy, life-giving places. This is always what our good shepherd has done. He leads us to green pastures. He multiplies what we have as we give it to him. See, when we follow his direction, we lack absolutely nothing. We want for nothing, and that is where we're starting today. Mon LCM, it is our first service of the year. Do you have something in this house? Yes. Do you have something that he can multiply? Do you believe that? Yes. Verse 3 goes on to say to a church like you that he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Yes. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We already told you that this is a Davidic psalm, but it's a Davidic psalm that is of incalculable value to us. It's given to enhance our ability to follow his direction. We will interact with this in a way that is beyond a Sunday school level today, I promise. These words are of great consequence to you, knowing that you have two years, 104 weeks to be prepared for what God is initiating. We will follow him and he will guide us on right paths. Our son of David is refreshing our souls as we go along on this journey. Man, when you're traveling through desert regions, you become very, very dependent on springs of water. Ask Samson about the battles that he was in. But our God is promising he will open those waterways for us. He is guiding us on the right path for his own namesake. Now, even though we walk through the dark valleys of testing, we will fear no evil because he is with us. He said that his rod is with us. Man, a rod is not a thing that my children jump up in excitement about. But what a rod is, is an instrument of discipline. Discipline for sons that stray so that we can maintain the course. Our God is promising in advance that he will discipline us for our good like sons and ensure that we do not fall, that we stay on the path. Man, that's comforting for like a man like me. I'd make some good things and some mistakes. But he's promising he will keep us on that path. Next, it says that his staff, his righteous authority is ours as much as we are with him. As these are things that comfort a people that belong to the living God and you belong to the living God. Church, we're going to move on to verse 5. And Psalm 23 is about to take a whole new light for us as a body based on the direction that we got for New Year's Eve. Are you guys ready to hear that? You prepare a table before me. Come on now. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. So do you guys remember that admonition from Friday night? The Lord was directing us to prepare a table In the month of January, this table is prepared for other families in this body. Preparing that table, it entailed prayer. It entailed the study of the word and the driven expectation of seeking after the heart of God, just like we would at any corporate service together. We're going to move that into our homes with the same expectation that our powerful God will show up and move. The promise in that direction was that revelation about teams of families would grow from it. That supernatural koach, supernatural abilities would result in marriages. And that you would be prepared to set tables for lost neighbors in the month of February based on your practice in January. Come on. It's important for us to go over this again because it was right at the end of the night and we wanted to make sure that every family not only heard it, but that you are beginning the process of engaging in what the Lord has set out before us. See, our King is setting a table for us as we follow him and as we reflect his heart in what he is instructing us. 
God is promising to anoint our heads for the task. And that anointing is going to flow to be able to build up everyone around us. See, his goodness is going to follow us as we follow him. His presence is going to be there as we set the tables, as we prepare at his direction, and as we move ministry into our homes to be able to build up this body. Now, we told you that we were going to move beyond a Sunday school evaluation of Psalm 23. We want to take a look at the word for prepare in Psalm 23. We have a slide for you. Somebody say, Iraq. Iraq. Not Iraq, Iraq. <laughs> Although the word does mean deployed, <laughs> or to draw up battle formations, or to draw up their battle formations, or to prepare to take up your positions. Saints, the word that is being used here in Psalm 23 has so much more to do than just laying out the dinette set, just preparing the food and setting down the plate. It is about men and women that are following the Lord as their shepherd that are being deployed into combat to draw up your battle lines. LCM, you are a 20-year-old church. Somebody say amen. Amen. You are a fighting age. Wow. We are preparing, we are aiming at setting a table for your brothers, literally drawing up battle lines, deploying your family into action, arranging yourself on the green grass so that you're positioned to participate in the supernatural multiplication to follow. Yes. Somebody say, draw up the battle lines. Draw up the battle lines. All right, one more time. Draw up the battle lines. Draw up the battle lines. Now that we're drawing up the battle lines, turn with us to Luke chapter 10, and let's see the son of David's instructions regarding drawing up the battle lines. We're going to be in verse 17 together. Yeah, go ahead and say it again. Draw up the battle line. Draw up the battle line. The 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Oh my goodness. Guys, we are 20 years old as a church. That means that as a church body, as a unit, we are now of fighting age. 20 years is significant in the word because that's the time where you go out to war. And that is exactly our trajectory and what we are going to be doing as a church. Church, do you want to see the dominion of Satan fall? Yes. Come on. He is already doing this. We are overcoming all of the power of the enemy. What, what is it like to trample on snakes and scorpions? Do you guys get excited about that? Yeah. Do you guys get excited about overcoming all the power of the enemy? Come on, show us some excitement this morning. See, church, the typical descriptors of spiritual warfare are surface level at best. Men, especially in the charismatic community, like to give extended descriptions of the fish they caught. I'm sorry, I mean the demons that they cast it out. As if the size of the fish is directly connected to the size of the prowess of their ministry. It was about six inches, Pastor. Uh, something like that. Real kingdom warfare, it takes more than faith. 
A child can cast out a demon, and our children do here in this house. Real kingdom warfare is to draw up battle lines at a table that refuses to leave until another family has been built from heaven alongside of what God is doing in you. Look at verse 20 to see exactly what we're talking about. However, somebody say however. However. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. That's the easy part. But rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Saints, however, is an indication that everything prior was true, but there is a much greater truth. Our rejoicing is that our names are written in heaven. Our rejoicing is that we've been adopted, included into a heavenly family of believers. Our identities are not the same anymore. We are born into a new household. Now consider the context of this passage. These disciples, they're being sent into believing Israel. These are sons of Israel that have had a revelation of Messiah being sent to the rest of Israel so that they might build their spiritual walk. So that their understanding that they currently possess from the law of Moses, from the prophets and the writings might be expounded upon because the Messiah is for and of Israel. These men are sent to build up their brothers, to build up the body. That is what real spiritual warfare is. That's spiritual warfare at its finest. Demons, supernatural events, all of these are only ancillary to the point of building up the body. That's why they went out. We are building up the body and it is our joy, our job to ensure that our whole house receives the fullness of what Messiah has given us. Heaven is where they derived their authority from. Heaven is also where we derive our authority. Our heavenly father is the one who adopted us and has sent us on this mission. Come on, we're going to talk about this authority together for a moment. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10, 8 and say, draw up the battle lines as you're going there. Draw up the battle lines. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. You know... As we were reading Luke 10, it's really incredible to hear the words of Jesus and to read, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, think about that as we read this verse together. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. So even if I boast, even if I rejoice somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. Church, Paul had a supernatural encounter with heaven. And he actually explicitly told us, hey, I'm not going to boast about anything else other than that my name is written in heaven and I know where my authority comes from. If we're going to boast about anything as as the body of Christ, we boast about the authority that has been given to us after our supernatural encounter with the heavens. Church, all authority is derived from heaven. And it produces the supernatural relationships that we have together in this house. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He says, I boast in that authority and it's given me the ability to have this relationship with you, church in Corinth. And it's given me authority, the authority to speak into your life. And guess what that authority was focused on? On building up the body. On the body building up itself. Not for tearing down, but for building up the body of Christ. 
Now, it's important that you understand the connection. The Apostle Paul had the words of Jesus. He understood this concept. Did Paul boast about the demons that he had cast out? Did Paul boast about the great contest of faith where he's engaged and he has the spirit moving and he sees Satan fall like lightning? No. Although you know he did those things. Where his authority was, what he was boasting in, what defined the man and his function, his calling, his character, was that from heaven he had been given authority to build the house of God. Paul expounded upon this. We're going to go back into Luke chapter 10 to see how this is played out. But in Luke chapter 10, we just finished reading. The last verse that we read together was verse 20. It said, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The passage goes on to say in Luke 10, 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. See, can you imagine Jesus standing there? Look, you don't have to rejoice that demons submit to you. Of course they do. Let me teach you something about the authority that comes from heaven. And it put a smile on his face. It showed that the Holy Spirit was with him. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these kind of things. This understanding of authority has been hidden from the wise and the learned. And you've revealed it to little children. Yes, Father. For this is what you were pleased to do. Come on, on, let's engage with the scripture for a minute. Don't you want to know what it pleases the Father to do? Okay, just checking. Verse 22. All things have been committed to me by my Father. As Jesus is speaking, he's saying, I want you to get this. I'm going to reveal it to you in a way that the little children can get this. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Church, when you start understanding that you are chosen, that you did not choose him, but he chose you. What did he choose you to do? Not only to bear fruit, but to receive the same kind of revelation. To be able to receive the same kind of authority that he had been given from the Father. Jesus Christ chooses you to turn and give you the same authority that he has. See, this is how authority is always derived. It's derived from heaven, through Christ, and into us. This is how authority is given to each of us in this place. See, Jesus received authority, and he's now given to us. Somebody say to us. To us. The same authority because it was his good pleasure to do so. He wanted to do it. It gave him joy to be able to hand to us the same heavenly-derived authority that he himself possesses. Somebody say he's pleased. To give it to me. me. The Almighty God is pleased to reveal things from heaven to you. He's pleased to reveal the authority in your life to strengthen those that are around you. Every other challenge that you face is ancillary. Demons, oppositions, government mandates, they will fall by the wayside as you stand in the heavenly family he has called you to build into. Now, you may not be surprised that Paul went on to expound on this concept further. We read from 2 Corinthians 10 earlier. Now we're in chapter 13, verse 10. It says, For this reason, I write these things while I am away for you, that when I come to you, 
I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that God has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Saints, we've been given a holy responsibility, and Paul enumerates it. He understands that we are working and striving to live holy lives so that we might be able to build one another up. When we take stock, when we understand the reality of what Christ has given us, you do not need anything from the world around you. What you need is to grab hold of the revelation he is pleased to give you. That your one mission in life might be the building up of your brothers, the forming of this structure, this house, that it might complete the mission for which it was called. With that in mind, we're going to pick back up in Luke 22, but this time in verse 28. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you see this progression of authority first and foremost? God the Father conferred authority and kingdom onto his son. And what does his son do? He confers that same kingdom and authority onto his body, his hands and his feet on the earth. That is how the authority of God flows and how it's structured. But look, God's spoken to us about the next three years and specifically about the next two years. The next 104 weeks that we have to begin to prepare a table, to begin to draw up battle lines together. The kingdom that the Lord is speaking about is the authority that is being conferred upon us that has come straight from the heavens. We have no need of the world. Somebody say, I have no need of the world. I have have no no need need of the the world. The authority that the world espouses that they have is not the authority that we're talking to you about this morning. We are talking about true authority, heavenly authority, authority that comes down from the Father to the Son and that spills and anoints His body for His work. You, church, have been given authority from heaven. And that authority that we learn from Luke is specifically ordained and given to you so that you build up the body. You engage in, spirit, in spiritual warfare and you build up the body of Christ while setting a table and looking the enemy face to face and saying, you have no authority here. I have a higher authority than you do. Church, you are a well-trained body. God is entrusting us with so many things. And we want you to catch this, this uh, attachment that we're making today. The reason that you build up the body is because you have been given an authority to do so. How different is that from a worldly mentality? When you're given some type of authority in the world, you immediately are exalted. You immediately try to lift yourself up. In the kingdom of God, you're given authority, and that authority is never to tear down. It is only to build up. Does anybody need some building up in the house? The answer is, is we all do. Of course we do. And how is that going to get done? It's going to get done by that heavenly authority that comes down so that you can build each other up and never tear each other down. Man, Paul says this in multiple cases. And we're here in Luke and we're seeing Jesus reinforce the same principle. Let's continue on into verse 31 of Luke 22. Simon, Simon. 
Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now, as much as we pick on the 2011 NIV. Yes, we do. Here on the screen, and it's right that we do so. Let's just be honest. (laughs) They have this verse correct. They got it right. We could celebrate this one. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter, and he's making him aware of something that is much larger, a spiritual warfare, the battle lines that must be drawn up. He's speaking to Simon Peter and saying, Satan desires to to sift every one of you. There's a testing that has to come in. There's a, there are difficulties that will be in store for you, that sifting that is there. But you are not supposed to have fear about the sifting. You're not supposed to be uh, intrepid about the testing that is going on. See, the Lord has been speaking to us as a church body about this passage. These are the battle lines that have been drawn up. They've been, they've been put there, and God is calling our awareness to them. As we work diligently Amen. to build up the body, there is a sifting process, but he's also promising to be with us. Saints, somebody say, I have passed the test. I have passed the test. On Friday night, we reviewed the previous three years that if you made it out alive, you passed the test. More than made it out alive, you grew. You became stronger. You built better relationships. You are better husbands and wives than ever before after the last three years. We had family banners that were raised up inside of this house. The Lord also spoke to us about the testing that would occur over the next three years. And a few weeks before we came to the New Year's Eve, he spoke to us out of this exact passage that Satan desired to sift the families in this room. Somebody say, all of you. Satan is not desiring to sift just a few families. He may be working to make you believe he is sifting just you. But he is working to sift and test all of us. Well, he's going to get all of us. (laughs) Verse 32 says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. LCM, Satan may be sifting you collectively, but our heavenly father, our Jesus the Christ is praying and interceding on your behalf. His will may, will be done in this household and the enemy cannot stop it. It will only prove what we have to be genuine in this house. We are growing in our ability to strengthen one another with every sifting process that we go through. Every time we get into this place where there's a hard pressing, where we have death, famine, and plague, it is producing inside of us that rock-like character that was Peter, that the house of God could be built upon. You're learning to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. You're doing it by building this kind of community in your own households. God is adding revelation to you through it. He is showing you how to build even further as you obey the word of the Lord. What winning looks like is when we come out on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. And we have new strength to give to our brothers on our left and our right. That will be you and it is the prayer of our king. Our prayer and it will be your prayer in the coming days. Amen. Family, do you understand how significant it is that we went through the book of Jeremiah last year together. 
Do you understand how amazing our king is for speaking to us through Jeremiah saying, hey, this is what you guys are going to need for the season ahead. And I'm going to take you through this book and let you know exactly what is going to be happening with the nation around you in your day and time. Church, it's miraculous what the Lord did. We need to give him some glory during this moment of our message. As we turn to Jeremiah, I want you guys to say hallelujah and thank you, Lord, for giving us that direction. Hallelujah and thank, thank you, Lord. you, Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10 says, See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Notice here in Jeremiah 1, from the onset of the book, there are two major general categories that we have. We have the uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow category, and we also have the build and plant category. The earthly and spiritual world in Jeremiah's day was being torn down, but the good figs were being planted and being built up. Somebody say simultaneous. Simultaneous. The Lord didn't speak to Jeremiah and say, I want you to uproot. Then after that, you're going to start tearing down. Then after that, you're going to destroy. Then after that, you're going to overthrow. He said, no, I appointed you to do all of these things. It's almost as if real figs have always been birthed through times of adversity. That's right. And as our culture and mamby-pamby Christians around us are uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and overthrown, the real Christians, the real followers of Christ the Messiah will be planted and will be built up. The real body of Christ will do this, Man. and it will be happening simultaneously. You see, battle lines are being drawn, and a table is being set, just like in Jeremiah's day, and it's happening right now. We have the authority from heaven that is the authority to build up the body, to build up our brothers, just like what Jesus was talking to Peter about. The testing that we will go through, church, it is by God's ordained design. It's necessary for us to be tested and approved. And what's more, the world must fall in order for the true body of Christ to rise. This is our appointment. Is it something that we can get excited about as a body? Yes. Church, I can tell you from the core of my being, I have an excitement like I have never had before about the next season that the Lord is bringing his body into. Can you feel that excitement in our voices as we're preaching this morning? There should be an excitement because our great king has been speaking to us about this. He's been letting us know that we are in the dark days of Jeremiah. Like Chronicles says that there's no remedy for these times, but that is how we come and become a more fruitful, a more purified body Amen. that is able to build each other up. See, God has already spoken to us about our nation's condition as we do this, yeah. as we rise to higher endeavors in this house. I mean, we mean each and every one of you. As we rise to higher endeavors, as we build one another up, the nation around us is going to fall to abysmal depths. This is largely due to the nation drawing back instead of drawing up the battle lines. Now, let us help you to understand this just a little bit. Look, we're about to describe a little bit of what we're entering into. And it's going to be humorous. It's also going to 
be a bit shell-shocking to hear it all at once. But first, I'd like to point out, if you knew that you had 104 weeks to prepare for a marathon, would you wait a month to start practicing? No, it'd take, it'd take me that whole time. Would you be looking for uh, once-a-week training sessions? I know that I would not be. Or perhaps two-a-days. How would you approach your strict training if you knew that in 104 weeks, a marathon's going to be required of you? Can I get an amen, Cody? <laughs> what we're about to jump into is of the last year. Yeah. Not of what is going to occur over the next three years. Right. It's an indication of something that will be multiplying alongside us as we rise and the world around us falls. As your pastors, we want to walk you through a sample of the countless examples of utter failure of the current leadership, the current administration. And this is just over the past year. Just one year. Just one year. <laughs> we'll start with the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. U.S. troops were pulled out of Afghanistan before getting out its own citizens, the green card holders, and even allies. That's never good. This country abandoned those it claimed to be loyal to, and we just went home. In addition to that, the evacuation left billions, like with a B, billions of dollars worth of ammunition and arms, vehicles, planes, equipment in the hands of the Taliban. Tax dollars, by the way. Tax Your spent money. dollars who quickly reallocated these items for their own uses. Simply put, this country drew back with disastrous results and consequences that we have still yet to fully see and fully have realized. Somebody say, draw up. Draw up. Your battle lines. Your battle lines. Secondly, what about this administration's purposeful neglect of the southern border? Immigration laws have been neglected and refused to epic proportions. And as a result, record numbers of illegal immigrants have been allowed to stream across the border. Our solution to the crisis, just like our solution to Afghanistan, was to draw back and assign the uh, <coughs> B team to the situation. Might find another letter for that team, but we're going to keep moving. <laughs> and turn the faces of the media away from the situation. Nothing to see here, nothing to focus on. Uh, instead, they focus them on nonsensical fake news the entire time. This country drew back, and the results were disastrous, and we're seeing it all around. So thirdly, consider for a moment some of the nonsensical ways that this whole COVID pandemic has been handled. Promises were made that there would never be any vaccine mandates during this administration, and yet <laughs> this current administration drew back on those promises, trying to lord their authority over the people. Yet this week, this administration completely changed their tune. No, 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 that's not what we meant either. And they declared that there was currently no federal solution to the COVID-19 pandemic. Did you hear that? Yeah. We have no federal solution to the pandemic. What progress. Goodness. <laughs> so whether we are talking about making promises about what they will and will not do, or we are addressing direction for the future, this administration has proven time and time again that their solution is to draw back, leaving a large leadership void. 
that will no doubt continue to facilitate the downward spiral that we have clearly seen, especially over the course of this last year. And if it was, that was over the course of this last year, you guys know exactly what's going to be happening in the next three years. Church, we could point these out all day to you, but we're just going to share one last example this morning. Think about how hard the leadership in this country has worked to mask any truth that does not benefit them or fill their pockets the way that they would like for it to. Truth in general has been allowed to be trampled on, misconstrued, redefined in areas from race to color to ethnicity, all the way to even how the word terrorist is defined. Hey, we fit that definition now. <laughs> we, we now officially Not the Taliban, fit that but us. <laughs> See, the leadership is drawing back from what even the word truth is, and they're causing the masses to follow in suit. This country drew back, and the results for the generation that is growing up in this current environment will be disastrous, and it will be catastrophic, and there's no other truth that we can hold on to. But you, LCM, the way that we're starting this year is we are going to draw up the battle lines. Why don't we say that together one more time? Draw up. Draw up. The battle lines. The battle lines. After this last example, there's some conclusions that we're coming to. But all of these obvious failures are just evidence of what our commander, hear that word, our commander, has told us is destined to happen. We're not afraid. We are not shocked. This is what God has been telling us for the course of this year. Out of the book of Jeremiah, we would be in these days. That this country would lose land, authority, influence, and its affluence, which is his biggest God. And there is no turning back from the Lord's judgment. It's final. The pot has tipped from the north. And yet, while this nation around us continues to become smaller and less significant, this body will increase in land. This body will increase in power. This body will increase in authority and influence. We will do this simultaneously. While our nation continues to draw back, we are drawing up our battle lines. While this nation is in a downward spiral, we will rise in our faith and facilitate the unity that we know will cause us to walk through the great door of effective work that has been opened to you, LCM. And trust me, church, it is a great door, and we have very effective work that is waiting for us. In light of that, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37, we're going to read from you, to you, and we're going to read it from the Amplified Version. You guys ready? For still a little while, a very little while, <laughs> and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. Now, he is coming soon. Amen. Our Messiah will come, and he will come soon, and he will not delay. But we are very thankful for the time that we do have before he comes. Why are we thankful? Because we need it. There is much work yes. to be done. There is a lot <laughs> we that we need to, to be accomplishing before he comes back and claims his own. And it's a gift to us. You guys heard that on New Year's Eve. Yes, he's coming back, but we need that time. The 104 weeks that we have been gifted by the Lord to sow into the body, to lay out our battle lines, to draw them up, and to lay a table out before our enemies, we need that in our day because there is a great harvest that is coming. Somebody say the next two years are a gift. 
the next it's two years or a gift. Because he's showing us what we must do. Look at verse 38 in the same passage. But the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction Amen. respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. And holy fervor, born of faith and conjoined with it. Come on. I'm going to read that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to read it again to let these words sink into our hearts. But the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction, Come on. respecting man's relationship to God and the divine things. And holy fervor, born of faith and conjoined with it. Look at how it continues. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, shrivels, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. See, this is supposed to bring a clarity to our hearts today. The nation around us, it's aimless administration. And please make no mistake, any other administration that would be in would be in the same kind of condition. We're not talking to you about a political party. We're talking to you about a spiritual reality. So that you understand what's going on. This administration is drawing back. This spiritual leadership is drawing back and shrinking in fear. But here in this body, that's not the way it is with us. We are righteous servants who are living by the convictions and the holy fervor of God. Putting our actions, conjoining what we do with what we say that we believe. See, a real body like you, you're growing in these days. We are not those who uh, shrink back. No. All right. Say draw up. Draw up. Your battle lines. Your battle lines. We have marching orders for our next 60 days in a three-year campaign, specifically with two years to complete the mission. We are not of those that shrink back. We know that our good king is coming on that day, and he will not delay. We're done with the mentality of previous years and the world around us that says, oh, I got saved. That's enough. No, the master is coming for his talents, and we need to show what we have done with it. Amen. Verse 39 is who you are. But our way is not the way of those who draw back to eternal misery and are utterly destroyed. Saints, that's not those who didn't have the truth. It's those who drew back from the truth. We in this house will rise to meet what he has given us. But we are those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely through Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, and by faith preserve the soul. Saints, we are not of those who draw back. We draw up our battle lines and we get ready to plunge into our fight of faith for our brothers. We know the results of this righteous behavior. We are endeavoring to obtain life that is really life and it only comes from one source. That is the father of all. It comes from above. We are more alive than we have ever been in this house. That light that is Christ is just beginning to dawn on the upright and we're not nearly done yet. Our authority descends from above and it is not subject to the whims of the world. Our authority did not come from the world and we have no need of what they offer. Amen. Say no need. No need. You're going to have to practice that many times over the next couple years. You're hearing me say it, but it needs to sink down in your soul. I have all that I need in Christ. That's a good word. The table we are setting is one of clear battle lines and it begins by setting a table for the family of God where we rejoice is in the family that he has inscribed our names to. We're drawing up real battle lines of spiritual warfare, and that's what it looks like. 
Lines that are building up the believing community. And our Father will meet us in that effective work with supernatural multiplication. This is where we will find his power to feed the 5,000 with the little bit that you have now. If we can start out with the faith, the conviction that he will meet us, you will find his supernatural work inside of your own homes. We will not draw back at any point in time in this year. This is where we begin, where you decide, I'm setting my battle lines. I'm drawing them up. This is where me and my house stand. We will build with our brothers. When you're thinking about drawing up those battle lines together, you're thinking about the authority that we have that came from heaven and that is resting on us. Look at John 19 and verse 10. We're going to read this from the NASB, but look at how Jesus handled a very similar situation that we are in today. Look at his conversation with, with the worldly authority of his day in a man named Pilate. So Pilate said to him, verse 10, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Jesus is in the midst of a huge test right now. He's actually being sifted in this moment. And during those times of testing for our Savior... He looked the worldly authority, Pontius Pilate, straight dead in the eyes. And he declared where all authority derives from. The heavens. The Father. It comes from above. You see, Jesus knew something that we are preaching and working to ingrain into you this morning. He knew that Pilate's authority would dwindle. But he knew that the authority that came from above, that was in the apostles and in the churches that were coming, the church of the living God, he knew that that authority would only rise up. It would only draw up the battle lines and increase. Jesus and his disciples, they would pass the test. They had drawn up the battle lines for the building of their brothers, and they had set that table before their enemies. You see, we are just like that in this house this morning. Our authority is derived from heaven. Can you see that their authority is dwindling constantly? Yeah. You see, while everything else dwindles and diminishes, we will rise up. Did you hear what Pastor Nick just said? I mean, I want us to, to grasp hold of this. Our king has set a table. He's drawn up the battle lines, and now it's time for us to do the same. That's exactly what he is calling us to do. See, just like where we began in Psalm 23, our king is going to lead us, but we must possess the faith to follow him. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 8. Say, draw up the battle lines as you turn there. Draw up the battle lines. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8, it says this, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. 
I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many come from the east and from the west and will take their places right at the table, right at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Come on. Church, the Lord himself is giving us an understanding of right authority. He's speaking this message to us even today as it descends from the Father because it cannot be obtained from the world. You cannot obtain this kind of authority from anywhere else other than the heavens. It is of a great faith and it produces an effective work and that is the great door that the Lord has opened to us. Don't get distracted by anything else going on. Stay with us right here. You have authority. You have authority and it's been given to you for the building up and the healing of your fellow soldiers, of your family, of your brothers around you. This authority descends from above and therefore it cannot be drawn back from. It cannot be renegotiated or ceased in any kind of way. Our God is the one who is preparing the table, drawing up the battle lines, and he seated you at the table with your fellow brothers. Church, we are not going to be those who draw back, who shrink back. In fact, we are going to stand up and draw up the battle lines here in this house. Saints, the revelation of God's authority in you is one that we must feed, one that must grow. Just like Jesus in John 19, you're going to be put in positions that look as if everyone around you is the one with the power to change the situation. From a natural standpoint, as if you have no power. But something inside of you is going to have to rise with the same words of Jesus that says, you have nothing my father didn't give you. That's right. They're like the centurion. You look at your Messiah. You look at what God has spoken to this church before you've seen it happen. And you say, at your word, I will obey your command. For I am a man who understands and is under authority. When you said it will come to pass, I know. I have the conviction in my being it will come to pass. My lying eyes will not deprive my heart of what God has spoken. Joshua 22 provides a glimpse of teams of families who completed the work. As we are drawing near, like the coming of the Lord, to a close (laughs) in our time together today. We want to talk to you about that passage. Now, Joshua has drawn up the battle lines in his life. You guys know that with the campaign that he said? The table has been set in the presence of his enemies. And he has proven victorious. The testing has only proven the genuineness of the authority that has been granted him from heaven. You remember, the Lord spoke to Moses Authority was placed upon Joshua and Eleazar. The revelation of how God had called them to build up the body came into being. Well, we're at a place in Joshua's life where that's been proven. You can see it from a distance. The enemy had attempted to sift all of the people of God. But Joshua did not turn back even when he had failings. He drew up the battle lines and strengthened his brothers. He built the body. Is Joshua an amazing man? Yeah. Do you guys love Joshua? Absolutely. However, Joshua is not the point in Joshua 22. Rather, it is showing the body building up the body as the Transjordanian tribes are commended 
for completing the mission of the Lord. This is Joshua 22, verse 1. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest, as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Guys, catch the emphasis of this passage. They're being commended by a leader because together, as a unified team, Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, maybe they were a little smaller, maybe it goes back to a prophecy in Genesis 49, you never know. These guys formed a team that was not about fighting for the members of their team. Okay, I know you've heard this before, but we're going to take a minute to work through it. Their team was not about fighting for the Reubenites and fighting for the Gabonites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. What was this team about? Fighting for their brothers. For a long time now, to this very day, like some portion of a seven-year campaign dating back to 2019, they had been fighting on the behalf of the other teams, the other tribes, the other families. Thanks, this is the resolve that you're called to. Not only working in teams for your own benefit, but teams that are dedicated to the benefit of other teams within the church. The team of families did not rest until their brothers had passed the test. See, they already had their land. They'd already proven that they were able to set a table for one another. But they would not rest until their brothers had succeeded in walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Joshua is not in view in this passage. But rather, he is commending this team within the body of the believing Israel who had experienced what it was like to see God's multiplying power put on display. They could not stop. They could not rest until the mission had been completed. Somebody say complete the mission. Complete Complete the mission. mission. You're going to need to find Titus to be able to do it because that is the basis for beginning to start it. Church, your courage and your confidence should be at an all-time high sitting here together this morning. Exodus 3.12 gives us even more courage and even more confidence about what we will experience as the body of Christ. It says, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You will worship God on this mountain. Church, we want to say this morning that we are not unaware of the difficulty of what has been prescribed for us. We understand fully that the path ahead of us will be full of testing, full of trials, full of difficulty, full of hardships, and full of opposition. We know this full well. It's going to be a great time of building up the body In the midst of all of this testing, the 104 weeks that we have to get after it and accomplish this work are going to be filled with these things. But it's faith like the centurion that we must approach this with. Come on. Faith that says, I see that what you have said is an impossibility. 
time is against us, the culture is against us, the government, whatever else is against us, there's opposition on all sides. But because you have said the word, mighty God, I know that it will happen and I will again stand on this mountain when it has been fulfilled. That is our attitude, church, and that is our confidence and our strength together this morning. Jesus himself called it great faith. Jesus himself looked at that kind of faith and said, I haven't seen this in all of Israel. That's the kind of faith that is going to be found in us. We cannot draw back until this mission is complete. So we're admonishing you this morning. Set your table. Draw up your battle lines together with us. Let God's enemies approach and watch the cup of the Lord's anointing and favor overflow upon us. Saints, we're now beginning a close. We're going to pick up in Acts 19 together. As we read a familiar passage, we're going to pick a few new things out of it. But I want you to fix those 104 weeks in your mind as we do. 104 weeks to be ready for what God is calling from you. To stand on that mountain and the testimony be what he spoke has now come to pass. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, this is verse 13, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. On the day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. It's an astounding thing to consider that a demonic beating caused the name of Jesus to be held in high honor. Many of those who believed, so of those who are already believing in God, now came and openly confessed what they had done. Saints, we were at a place that is extraordinary, has beautiful things, has growth ahead of us. We're also at a place where we will not tolerate unbiblical behavior. That before the sun sets, we are done with it. We're at a place where we're going to have to take stock in areas of our own lives. That you've believed. That you've known the name of Jesus, you've even used it and seen some adverse situations or some demonic spirits driven out. But you don't really know the Father and His authority the way that Paul does, in the way that your leadership team does, that you've been writing on someone else's virtue and saying in the name of what my church teaches is going to leave you bleeding and naked. Okay, we've been encouraging you. Everything that we've said is entirely true. And I'm looking at eyes that I know deeply. Your God is calling you to greater heights, and there are areas that we've been a substitute for you that if you're going to build the body, you have to take responsibility for the authority that is giving you. And so this is the moment where as believing men and women, we're going to learn to fear the Lord on a greater level. That those who do believe, and you do believe, openly confess their sin 
because they understand the power and the authority and the weight of the calling that is on their lives that you are called to walk in. But that you cannot have areas of toleration anymore. Areas where you're sitting back and would rather somebody else do it because it exposes your own inadequacy. There is no more room for hiding 10, 20 year old problems in this house. We are all going to rise together, but it comes from demanding of yourself right action before the king and exposing what has been there. So if you're sitting in this room and you are hearing that you're called to teams, and the reality is it's easier for you to take regular parts of your week because you have 104 of them just to hide with you and your wife, to slip into your room early if you live in a community, or just to go to your house and avoid what it looks like to drop battle lines and set a table. Now's the time for repentance over the fearful and selfish behavior that has marked your Christian walk. If you've avoided discipleship and have been a scatterbrained Christian that is shopping for the answer that you want, when you get a difficult word from someone in this house, you find a way to stay away from them for a couple weeks until you feel like things cooled off. That's blatant sin and it's time for it to be cut off so that you can stand in real authority in this house if there are offenses if there's things that you wouldn't call offenses but you have issues with other families here that you really just would rather not interact with them that they're not your favorite people yeah that's blatant sin that is preventing you from forming the teams that you're called to because even if you're not in a team with them, your team will be fighting on their behalf like the Transjordan tribes. Amen. We've been preaching about unity and transparency and we've been doing it for a long time now. Now's the time that we solidify in our mind. I have to meet the king who's going to ask for an accounting of the talents that he gave to me. It's not preparation time. I have a marathon to run at the end of the 104 weeks. If you knew that you were in the fight of your life and going to have to do it with the brothers around you, would you wait a month to get started? This very week, make up your mind how you are going to grow in the authority to build up the church he placed you in. Who and how you are going to build a greater relationship with. In what ways you are going to demonstrate real, genuine transparency that is not in the name of Paul, in the name of Pastor Eric, in the name of Elder Charlie, in the name of Jesus, whom I do not operate in, be healed. It's you fighting for genuine revelation from God and you standing as his ambassador, knowing you are his because you live like it and saying in the name of Jesus, be healed. You wonder why life-giving speech is hindered sometimes. Maybe it's because you're operating on your own agenda and haven't learned what it is to prophesy like Ezekiel did. Now is the time when we learn to speak in the name of the Almighty for each other. You may not be called to everyone else, but you are called to this house. Say, I am called. I am called. To this house. To this house. Make up your mind what it looks like to do this this very week. And make a commitment about it. Not just a private motion at the altar but a stance that says, I will learn to walk in this as I have been called to because he ordained it in his authority. Before Pastor Nick prays for us, I want to remind you of Revelation 2 and verse 26 and verse 27. 
to the one who is victorious and who does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Jesus Christ speaking, not to those who have drawn back, but who have stepped up and drawn up the battle lines. Look at the next verse. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Church, the Lord has given you authority. It is coming from the heavens for you to step up to prepare that table and to draw up the battle lines to be able to build up your brothers here in this house. Stand to your feet with us. Father, we thank you for giving us a clear perspective of where we are. Father, we thank you for speaking with your authority that comes from heaven to us this morning. Father, while the rest of the world is drawing back, Lord, we are asking that you would renew our distinction from them this morning, Lord God. Lord, we repent for drawing back in the past. We repent even this morning, Lord God, from having a drawing back mentality that still needs to die. Father, we say, Lord God, this morning, let us kill that ancient giant. Father, this morning, we draw up the battle lines against your enemies, Lord, and we declare your kingship, your power, and your authority over this world. Father, we say that we are with you, Father. We are with your armies, and we are ready to stand up and fight. Lord, renew your image in us this morning, Lord God. We pray and we beseech you, Father, and we are full of faith that you will do just that in Jesus' name.